Welcome to episode 74 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. 
I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 74 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I'm doing great. I do have an update from Amazon that I would like to share real quick. Please do. And I I just heard yesterday that officially Amazon has um, removed all of the pirated counterfeit copies of Delay, Den, Deny from their warehouse. I mean, it took it took a couple of weeks for the, the departments to talk to one another and get that um, get that done. But they've removed them and they destroyed all the fake copies. So that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> how how crazy is it to even think about the fact that there was, you know, I don't know how many stacks sitting there in the warehouse, but they, they did get them destroyed. So I have confirmation that that's, um, that's been taken care of. And Amazon is still trying to figure out, you know, it's basically there are a lot of departments at Amazon and they have to coordinate and talk together. And it's not very easy. Big corporations don't move quickly, but they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do next as far as everyone who has received a pirated copy. So hopefully they can figure out who that would be based on, you know, the third-party sellers that were selling them right there in the buy box, fulfilled by Amazon. So hopefully they can uh, figure all that out. And then my goal, my hope would be that they would replace all those copies, but we'll just have to see. At the very worst, I know that listeners and readers will be able to um, call Amazon and get their books replaced if you call them. But I don't want everybody to have to call Amazon. I want Amazon to just do it. So we shall see. Well, that's exciting that things are moving forward. Yeah, it is. And also, you know, I'm a glass half full kind of gal. So when we started looking at the the typos that were on the back cover of the the pirated version, and then people are like, well, you know, there's typos inside too. And we started looking at the the fake version typos and looking at the, the real version and comparing them. I realized there were a few typos in the real version of Delay, Don't Deny that needed to be updated and fixed. And so um, I had a typo challenge on my um, Delay, Don't Deny advanced Facebook group, and people found hopefully all the typos, and I've gone through it, and my husband went through it. So thank you, pirates. Because of you, I was encouraged to go back through Delay, Don't Deny and clean it up a bit. Um, And so the the new version is officially available right now. So if you order the paperback of Delay, Don't Deny on Amazon, you will get the new, hopefully, typo-free version. That is my goal anyway, <laughs> that it is typo-free. And then um, also the eBooks have been updated as well. So the Kindle version, the iBooks version, the Nook version, all the different places you can get an eBook. Those are all typo-free everywhere you go. So that's exciting. Silver lining. It really is. I mean, when you're reading back through something, you're like, ouch, there's a typo. <laughs> It feels bad thinking about how many people have read the the typo versions. But anyway, silver lining. So I'll keep everybody posted. And again, you don't have to do anything right now. I will let you know what Amazon decides and um, what that will entail. But right now, 
as of early September and beyond, when you order Delay, Don't Deny, paperback on Amazon, right there, you know, ships from and sold by Amazon, you're not going to be getting the fake copy. You're going to be getting the real one updated without those typos. Awesome. (laughs) Well, I have two little announcements as well. Well, one announcement and then one just thing. (laughs) Announcement-wise, I talked about this before, but the audiobook version of my book, What, When, Wine, will be available October 16th. So I'm super excited about that. I don't think it's available yet to pre-order, but once it is available, I will definitely put a link to that in the show notes and on the website because pre-orders can really, really help with just pushing the book into the spotlight like right at the beginning because that's when it's really key for a book to catch on is those first few days, Um, as Jen, you likely know as well. Right. It's not really as much about just, you know, selling our books. It's, it's about just spreading, spreading the word and everything, because I mean, the reason Jen and I wrote these books is to have all the information in one place for, for listeners and readers and people who are interested. I don't know, Jen, I don't know if you feel like this, but people will ask me questions about things and I'll I'll answer the question, but then I'm always like, you can get tons more information in my book. And it's not because I'm like trying to sell my book. It's because, it's because the book, (laughs) that's why I wrote the book. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's why I wrote it is so that they could have an epic long answer. All the information in one place. Yeah, because I don't have time right then to write, you know, a whole book answer to that person. So that's why it's all there. Yeah. And, you know, I've just been rereading the book to find the typos. And I was like, it really is all in here, people. I know. <laughs> no, sometimes I'll be researching for this podcast and I'll have to I'll pull up my book because I have all the, the research right. there already. So, so yeah, so listeners definitely check that out. So I have What Win Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting and Wine. And Jen has two books. She has Delay, Don't Deny, Living the Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle, and she has Feast Without Fear. What's the subtitle? It's Food and the um, Delay, Don't Deny Lifestyle. So listeners, I'll put links to all of that in the show notes, which will be ifpodcast.com slash episode 74. It's also all listed on ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, which is all the stuff that we like. And as you likely know by now, they are on Amazon. Um, and then mine's act- my book is in Barnes and Noble as well. Oh, and then so Jen, I have a confession. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What is that? Guess what I did? Well, I don't know. I joined a gym. Oh wow! Okay, Very I just cool. <laughs> well, it's just funny because listeners know we're not really like gym people as far as um, Jen and I like to make exercise out of our lives, just living an active lifestyle and moving around a lot. And Jen likes to jump rope, no trampoline, jump hula rope. hoop, hula hoop. Yeah. Once once you're you're forty nine years old, um, trampolining is a little harder. <laughs> Okay, we've talked about trampolining for rebounding and lymph flow. Yeah, yeah. I've done it. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, and then um, I like to be crazy and wear weights around the world. Let me tell you the reason why I joined. Um, So I recently got this red light infrared device at home called the Juve, which I'd been talking to Jen about. I heard about it on actually two different podcasts, a whole interview with the people who founded it. So on Rob Wolf's podcast and also on Dave Asprey's podcast. And I'm a huge fan of red light therapy because I've talked about that before. And I use these 
these therabulbs that you can buy that are relatively inexpensive. And I used them in the like past winter and I definitely saw a difference. And I stopped using it when I moved back to LA. And then I started using again, just the bulbs that I had at home. And I saw a huge difference in my skin and I was shocked, like the anti-aging effects. And it just takes the inflammation straight out of your skin. And it's amazing. And then I heard about these juve devices. So I ordered a juve, which is an at home device. And it's been just so therapeutic and amazing. It's been amazing for my skin. Um, I, I can't even like describe and like inflammation. And I was like, man, I need to, I, now I want to go like in a full sauna, you know, like more regularly. Yeah. So I was looking it up because and doing more research because it's amazing for detoxing on a cellular level because it basically just revitalizes your mitochondria and all of your cells and gets it helps excrete toxins but then also creates it has anti-aging benefits and this is not just a straight up sauna like a heat sauna this is an infrared sauna yeah. which a heat sauna heats you up from the outside in which does create a detoxifying effect but an infrared sauna heats you up from the inside out which creates an even more potent detoxifying effect. So it's like, I need to, I want to start going to a sauna. But then I also realized I wanted to start going to a gym because I, I do so much research for the podcast and a lot of work at my desk and I get kind of antsy just standing here. And I was like, I could be doing this, like I could be researching on a treadmill or something. Yeah. So I found this gym three minutes away and with the membership, it's like a boutique gym, so it's small, so it's not crazy like all the people. Um, but so they have the you know the elliptical and everything. But then also included is an infrared sauna, and they have a um, an I've been hearing about LED therapy. Are you familiar with that? Not not LED therapy, no. I, infrared, yes. I have a friend who swears by that. Yeah, it's similar. It's just different wavelengths of light as well, and so they have that device. And then they also have, not included in my membership, but they have, what is it? Cryotherapy? You know, the machine where you cryo, 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 cryotherapy, cold, cold therapy, yes. which I haven't yeah. done yet. I'm going to try it because I get one like try. It's where it, it, they said it goes to like a negative 140 or something. Yeah, I'm scared of that. <laughs> I'm like going to die. Yeah. I doubt you'll die, but you know. <laughs> So I'm so excited. So now my routine is I go, go there. I, I walk on the elliptical for like 30 minutes and do research for the podcast um, or whatever, whatever I can do for my phone. And then I go sit in the sauna or in the infrared sauna and do the red, the therapy on my face with the LED lights. It's like, it's perfect. Awesome. That was a huge tangent, but people, red light therapy and LED changed my life. And I think it could change a lot very, of people's lives. Nice. Yeah, a friend of mine made her own infrared sauna somehow. Like she sent me like a link about how to do it. How you can buy your all the little pieces and make your own. Or they sell them. You can like get in them. They're little. They're portable. I don't know. I almost bought a portable one. But the whole thing about it is there's the concern that they're actually a little bit toxic. Because all the ones that you buy that are like the the portable ones that you set up, the material that they're made with. There's, there's skepticism that it's actually creating like either EMF or um, like just the material is creating like metal. I don't know. So uh, like like that it's giving you, you know, some toxins in the process. 
Okay. Well, I'm glad I never bought one of those. <laughs> These are the portable ones, but then the ones you make right. yourself would be great. I contemplated oh, doing I that, but I, I was like, I don't have a, I don't really have, I mean, that's a big project. Room for it. Yeah. yeah, it is. <laughs> the reason I think it's really relevant is a lot of people do intermittent fasting for health. And so I think they're really into, you know, health hacks like that. But then also for yeah. weight loss, um, the infrared sauna really effective for weight loss it, because it actually creates, it's kind of like we, we've talked about the, um, like a vibration machine and how that right. is like passive exercise. I have a link on ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like to the one that Jen and I have, but basically it vibrates your cells super fast and it actually causes a sort of exercise in your cells and makes you burn more calories without you, without you even do anything. Same thing with infrared saunas. The, the light creates energy generation and production in your cells. So you actually burn calories like just laying there. Yeah. So, I, th- I think that happens to me even when I'm, like, out in the sun. Because when I've been out in the sun all day, I'm, like, starving. Yeah, it's so true. And I used to think it was just from swimming. You know, when I was young and active, I would always be starving after swimming. But now when we're out on, like, the boat and I'm out in the sun, I come home and I am starving. Just And I'm not swimming <laughs> in the lake. <laughs> I don't swim in lakes, FYI. Yeah, I think it definitely, definitely does something on the cellular level yeah. to make your I cells... Think so. It's amazing because it makes your cells both more effective at producing energy, so you feel more energetic, but then at the same time, you're burning energy. So yeah, best of both worlds. Yep. That, that's how I feel when I'm in the sun, so I totally, I totally believe that, and I get it. Jen, I did like the LED device straight on my head the first time. I literally felt like I had had some sort of anti-aging facelift. It was wow. my skin felt... Like I had new skin. And this is from the the red light? This was from, so I was in the infrared sauna, but then they have an LED device that has blue, red, and infrared light, but it goes directly over your face. So it's really getting like in your skin on your face. And it was insane. Wow. All righty. Shall we jump into all the stuff for today? Yes. Let's get started. All right. So to start things off, we have some listener feedback and this comes from Jan. We have not had a Jan before. I just, I'm just, I'm just thinking of the Brady Bunch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jan, who was your favorite Brady Bunch member? um, I hate to say it since I I love Jan right here, but it wasn't Jan on the Brady Bunch. I liked Cindy. Oh, you're, you're like my mom again. Does she like Cindy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who do, who do you think I liked? Was it Marsha? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I was obsessed with Marcia. I don't know. See, were were you the oldest child? Mm-hmm. Or the okay? Well, you I'm the, the oldest too. Oh no, I'm the oldest. So I wondered if that was it, but that's not it. Then hmm. I always liked Cindy. I don't know why. Listeners, when you write in, tell us your favorite Brady Bunch character. <laughs> I'm curious. Yep, I was a Marcia girl. Anyways, this is from Jan. We love Jan, and the subject is advice. And Jan says, "I love the podcast and listen every week. Thank you for your inspiration." I especially like to listen while I'm working out. Oh, see, speaking of working out, (laughs) I've enjoyed listening to most of your advice. However, today I'm listening to podcast number 70. I would have liked to have you tell listeners who are struggling with fatigue to maybe get a checkup from their doctor. The reason I say this is because several years ago, I was having so much fatigue. I was pretty sure that it was because I had put on weight. It got so bad that my husband finally kidnapped me to the doctor's. 
It turned out that I was fatigued because I was anemic from a cancer in my bone marrow. I just kept blaming it on being fat. I realized for most people that their being tired won't turn into an incurable, luckily it's treatable, cancer, but going for a checkup isn't a bad idea. Thank you again. And yeah, I thought that was something really, really good to point out. Um, thank you, Jan, for that email. And we did try to emphasize that you should definitely speak to your doctor in general if you're feeling fatigued to get to the root cause of it. But it's definitely important to keep in mind that, like we said, intermittent fasting is not always the cause of fatigue. Being overweight is not always the root cause of fatigue. And there could definitely be something going on that's pretty, pretty extreme. Like for me, example... I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast. I think I did, but I realized I was actually anemic and didn't realize it. And that was one of the root one of the root causes of my fatigue in addition, in addition to heavy metals and some other things. Um, so there can definitely be very real things going on. So we definitely encourage listener, listeners to speak with their doctor, especially if they have especially if they have fatigue that just won't go away, that's constant. I think that's really, really telling as well. Do you have any thoughts, Jen? I think so too. Yeah. The fatigue with intermittent fasting, if it's related to intermittent fasting, it's usually related to the adjustment period when your body is trying to burn through your glycogen stores. So if it, if it never gets better, that, that is a sign to go check with your doctor. And thank you, Jan, for, for bringing that up. I think that's great. I mean, there, our bodies are so complicated and, you know, people do like to think everything that's going on is related to the fact that you're intermittent fasting. Like, you know, just today, I think someone in one of the Facebook groups is like, I have a pain under my rib cage. Is that caused by intermittent fasting? I'm really not making this up. And I'm like, we don't know why you have a pain under your rib cage. We cannot. (laughs) And you need to get that checked out. Yes, definitely. Yeah. All righty. Time for the questions. All right. We have a question from Anna. And the subject is research. Anna says, hi, thank you for the very informative podcast. I enjoy listening to it every week. You inspired me to do IF to help lose the post baby weight. I mainly do 18.6, but I'm flexible with my window. In seven weeks, I've lost 11 pounds and am very pleased. I have been telling all my family and friends about it. One said they would like to see a study which compared the same amount of calories eaten over 24 hours with that eaten in an 8-hour or less window. I wasn't sure whether this has already been done with any result. I came to the conclusion that you ladies would be the ones in the know. Thank you for all of your help. Love from here in Devon in the UK. All righty, Anna. Thanks so much for your question. So the answer to your question is yes. (laughs) These studies have been done. Quite a lot. And so a little hack that you can do if you want to look up to find these studies, they don't always call it intermittent fasting. In the studies, they often call it time-restricted eating. So if you just want some keywords to use for looking up studies yourself, um, Google Scholar, if listeners aren't familiar, is amazing for finding studies. But you can definitely search for things like intermittent fasting, but you can also use the word time-restricted eating, and that that often will come up with studies. So there are a lot. I'll talk about just a few. I mean, of course, there are a lot in mice, which aren't, I mean, there are debates about as to how applicable rodent studies are. But for example, there was one in 2015. That one was called time-restricted feeding without reducing calorie intake prevents metabolic diseases in mice fed a high-fat diet. And so that one, for example, looked at mice that were basically allowed to eat all they wanted all the time versus mice who could only eat for nine hours. And that one was interesting. They were all following a higher fat diets. 
but they found that those who ate in a nine-hour window, if the sugar was coming from sucrose, not fructose, um, in, in the food, then they only gained around 21% like of more weight, whereas if they're eating throughout the day, they gained 42%, so almost double. And they found that the longer they ate, the more weight they gained. And um, their conclusion, for example, was that time-restricted time eating basically protected the body against weight gain when um, animals have different nutritional challenges and different feeding schedules. Um, but there have been human studies as well. So like a 2016 study was called Effects of Eight Weeks of Time-Restricted Feeding, 16-8, on basal metabolism, maximal strength, body composition, inflammation, and cardiovascular risk factors and resistance-trained males. So that one actually looked at 34 males who were doing weight trainings. It compared them eating all throughout the day, so they could eat from 8 to 9 p.m., or they could eat in an eight-hour window from 1 to 9 p.m. And what's important is they it, it was controlled so that they took in the same amount of calories and the same macronutrients. So the only thing that was different was restricting their timing. And they found that in eight weeks, those who did basically the intermittent fasting, they lost more fat, um, they maintained their muscle, and interestingly, it actually they had decreased testosterone and insulin-like growth factor um, and decreased leptin, which is interesting, which because that insinuates that they might have felt hungrier and they had less testosterone. So you'd think they'd be hungrier and maybe not gaining muscle, but it was the opposite. They lost more fat and they gained and they maintained their muscle. So their conclusion was that intermittent fasting by consuming all the calories in eight hours with resistance training, so with weightlifting, that it could improve health biomarkers decrease fat mass, and maintain muscle mass. And I think that's really important because we do get a lot of questions from people who are doing exercise and they want to know if they can combine like weightlifting with intermittent fasting. And this study is looking exactly at that and finding that, yes, intermittent fasting, not only is it doable with, with um, a strength program, but it's actually beneficial. And then I do have two more, but Jen, do you want to throw out some to mix things up? Sure. Yeah, I have one that um, I actually talk about in Delay, Don't Deny, and this is a 2007 study, and it was done with people, and it's called A Controlled Trial of Reduced Meal Frequency Without Caloric Restriction in Healthy, Normal Weight, Middle-Aged Adults. So this is people, like I said, and they actually compared a one-meal-a-day eating pattern to a three meal a day eating pattern. So they took the same exact number of calories with the participants and had them eat them in either one meal a day or in three meals a day. And they found that the subjects eating one meal a day lost significantly more fat. So I think that's important. You know, we talk about body recomposition all the time with intermittent fasting. And, you know, in the Facebook groups, we see people show their photos and they, you know, report they've only lost five pounds, but they look like they've lost 30 pounds because really intermittent fasting targets fat. So these people in this study lost significantly more fat than those eating throughout the day. That just makes sense because you're in the fat burning state while you're fasting. So I just think that was, that's a great study. And, you know, it wasn't that long of a study. So you know, think about the, these people are adjusting to one meal a day. Imagine if it had gone on for a longer duration. I bet the results would have been more striking. 
That's really awesome that that study specifically looked at one meal a day, since that's what we often often do. I do have another study, though, that's actually, <laughs> it both supports, but then it actually makes a slightly more nuanced picture. It's a 2018 study, so very recent, and it is called Effects of 8-Hour Time-Restricted Feeding on Body Weight and Metabolic Disease Risk Factors in Obese Adults, a pilot study. So this one actually looked at an eight-hour feeding window in 23 obese adults, and they either ate constantly throughout the day or they ate from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's interesting because it found that the intermittent fasting did decrease body weight. It decreased energy intake, so I guess the participants naturally ate less and also decreased blood pressure. But they actually found that the, um, the fat mass, the lean mass, cholesterol, things like that actually did not significantly differ after 12 weeks. Um, But then what their conclusion was, was that eight-hour time-restricted feeding produces mild caloric restriction and weight loss without calorie counting. It may also offer clinical benefits by reducing blood pressure. So the reason I said this creates a more nuanced picture is because basically they didn't restrict calories or anything. They just put these participants, these overweight adults, and they had them either eat in an eight-hour window or eat throughout the day. And with no other restrictions, the participants did naturally eat less. And they did they did lose weight. That said, they didn't significantly over a longer period of time lose substantial fat mass or anything like that. And I think that, does that mean, oh, intermittent fasting doesn't make you lose fat automatically? I don't think that's the case at all. I think what it's showing is that doing time-restricted eating in a window like this is going to naturally make you most likely lose weight and naturally stop overeating. But then it's like when we talk about, we get a lot of questions from listeners, especially doing, you know, a longer window and they're not experiencing the weight loss that they would like. And I think this study really speaks to that. And it it might show that, um, that they might do better by doing, you know, a smaller window or making dietary changes and everything. So it's not always going to automatically, you know, an air a 16, eight window is not always automatically going to create epic weight loss, which is what this study is showing. I think it is going to help get your appetite signals in line. It's going to help you naturally gravitate towards naturally cutting calories. And that might be all you need, but then you might need to go further beyond that. If after a while you're not seeing the weight loss that you want to see, does that make sense? (laughs) It does. It does. And it does echo what we say frequently see, you know, an eight hour eating window is really too long for me to lose weight. And it's too long for a lot of people practically to lose weight. And that, that study does show that, I guess, (laughs) you know, I needed a window of five hours or less to lose weight. So Anna, hopefully those studies helped you and there are a lot more. That's, that's just some of them. So feel free to Google away and read all the studies and you can report back if you find some interesting ones. Awesome. All right, so we do have a pretty exciting announcement for listeners. So as listeners likely know, we're pretty big fans of bone broth around here. Pretty major fans. (laughs) I love making my own, but we also love having it in forms that you can buy as well, which is a little bit difficult these days because most of the bone broths that you buy at stores on shelves are typically full of additives and they're made from conventional bones and they're just not the best. So it's hard to recommend certain bone broths that you can just buy. 
But a few weeks ago, one of the managers at a company called Bonafide reached out to us because they were huge fans of the podcast and they wanted to talk to us about collaborating. And I haven't told any of you this, Jen, yet. So I talked to their manager first on Facebook, just a little bit to coordinate. And then we talked on the phone because we wanted to talk about them sponsoring the podcast. But we ended up talking for probably over an hour because she was such a fan of the podcast and she was really similar to me with our craziness with like food choices and everything. So we talked, we just started talking about everything and it was really great, but I loved hearing about their company. So a little bit about their company. They were actually founded by a clinical nutritionist and her husband and the woman who founded it, she did it because she wanted to use bone broth to help treat her son's chronic illness And she successfully treated her son's chronic illness and she did it with bone broth and she started this company to make bone broth that would really fit the bill that people could buy that was nourishing and healing and basically made the way bone broth is supposed to be made. And so a little bit about their bone broth, they only use organic bones. Um, They don't use anything else like meat or any additives or anything like that. They slow simmer it for at least 18 hours. Um, which is amazing. They don't have any preservatives. So something about this bone broth, you do have to keep it frozen if you're not going to use it for a while and then you want to keep it cool. It's not going to be shelf stable in like your pantry, but they actually pride themselves on that. She was saying how they are perishable on purpose because that's the way bone broth is supposed to be in a way. You can order the bone broths online, but you can also get them at the store, which is awesome. Yeah, one thing I really like about Bonafide is that their products are available in stores locally. If you go to their website at www.bonafideprovisions.com, there is a tab on their website that says Find Us, and then you just tell it where you are, and it can tell you where you can find it. And it's in your free- the freezer aisle of the grocery stores because it is perishable. But, for example, here in, um, in Augusta, Georgia, I can find it at Sprouts Farmer's Market. I can find it at Walmart, Publix, Earth Fair. So it's not something that I have to go to a specialty store to get. I mean, Walmart is pretty much, you know, everywhere. So it's definitely something that that you could find. You could decide you want to try it, run out, and get it today. That's the best part about it. You don't have to... um, get it in some kind of special way, (laughs) you know, because a lot of times I want to try something. I want to try it immediately. I don't want to wait, you know, two weeks for it to come. Yeah. So they do have just straight up plain bone broth. So they have a beef bone broth, a chicken bone broth, and a turkey bone broth. And then they have a frontier blend bone broth. I just love that idea. So that's a mix of grass-fed beef, turkey, lamb, and bison. They sent me a bunch of the soups that they have, and that is actually my favorite. I loved the broccoli cheddar soup, and it's made with bone broth as as the base of it. But they had a broccoli cheddar. I also loved the creamy mushroom. They have a lot of different flavors. French onion is one of my favorites. So I, I can see myself using these soups to open my window. Of course, we don't recommend bone broth during the fast because bone broth is nourishing food. But we we think it's a great way to open your window or to have it with your meal or have it any time in your window. And as the weather starts getting colder this fall, I do think that opening my window with some bona fide provision soup is going to be my go-to. So something that's super awesome is listeners can actually get 20% off all of the bona fide products, which is amazing. So if you go to their website, 
which is bonafideprovisions.com. Just use the code IFBROTH at checkout. And so we'll put that information in the show notes, but definitely use that code because 20%, that's pretty, that's pretty substantial. That really is. It's a fifth of the price off. They're reasonably priced anyways. So it's a, that's an amazing deal. So definitely check that out. And then also Bonafide is going to do an Instagram giveaway which as you all know, we love Instagram giveaways and I think the listeners love Instagram giveaways. So they are going to give away a bonafide sipping set and it is going to include one of each of those broths that I just mentioned. So the turkey, the beef, the chicken, and the frontier blend. So one of each of those, also a thermos and a mug. So you'll be good to go in the bone broth world. Ooh, that's exciting. But I, I do really want to encourage listeners to try the soups too because um, they're just so good. So you can go to our Instagram, which is IF Podcast, and there'll be a picture there of the giveaway. Just comment on that picture, your favorite intermittent fasting benefit. And then in about a week or so, we will do a drawing and the winner will receive the bona fide sipping set. And then for listeners as well, even if you don't win, you still win because like I said, 20% discount, can't go wrong. So go to bonafideprovisions.com, enter the code IFBROTH at checkout, and you will get that 20%. So yes, yes, all the bone broth stuff. Fabulous. So the next email comes from Jamie, and she says, I was just wondering if you could explain what made you choose the one meal a day lifestyle. Why would you rather do that than alternate day fasting or maybe even the 5-2 diet? Where did you first learn about it and what doctors promote this type of lifestyle over others? Thanks, enjoying the show so much. Also, if you had your weight loss to do over again, would you still stick with one meal a day? Jen, it seems like severe calorie restriction, the 5 bites a day, was that it? 5 bite diet, 5 bite diet. 5 bite diet and even the HCG diet played a role in some of your initial loss. Quite a bit of it, actually. No one can really speculate if you would have lost weight the same way if you hadn't done some of these crazy things. If the answer is, yes, I would go back and only do one meal a day, do you think you would have lost the weight that fast? I'm just curious on your take, seeing as though hindsight is always 2020. Thanks. Love the podcast. So some great questions there from Jamie. So Jen, do you want to do you want to give your experience? I will. And yeah, I think I've talked about this before, like early on on the podcast, um, like last year. But, you know, I have my whole diet story in Delay, Don't Deny. And you have to keep in mind, when I started, I was 210 pounds and I was desperate and the obesity code had not been released yet. And so I was just kind of stumbling around trying to figure out what to do and and how to how to lose weight. And you know, I had tried many things over the years, including HCG. I did HCG back in 2008, 2009-ish, and got down almost to my goal weight at that time, and then regained all of it, and then more, and then ended up at 210, you know, just five years later. So um, desperation is doing the same thing over and over again and doing expecting different results, right? So I went back to HCG again because I knew that it, quote, worked. And by worked, I mean, I knew I would lose weight doing it. So the good news is I have all of my weight records, like, you know, I don't weigh anymore. But this period of time, 
I actually was weighing and writing it down with a pencil on this little graph and charting it. So I have, I have notes of everything that I did so I can go back through it. And um, I did that today. I went through the whole thing and looked at the timeline. And so when I started at 210 pounds in um, 2014, I did lose the first 24 on HCG. I went to a clinic. It was a doctor clinic. And I, t- I talk about this in, in Delay, Don't Deny, in Appendix A, as I said. So I lost the um, 24 pounds using HCG, which is a very restrictive eating plan. You take these injections, and it's like pregnancy hormone, and there's a whole theory that it's not going to slow your metabolism, blah, blah, blah. I think it does slow your metabolism. I, I don't think that theory is true. Now, thinking back on you know how it worked for me and how every time I did it before, I always regained the weight like crazy and then more. But I was desperate. So I lost 24 pounds, but my body was screaming out, you know, stop this. So I actually stopped a week earlier than I was supposed to stop. I was supposed to go for like 42 days, and I, I just could not make it that long. So I stopped. And then you're supposed to do low carb after that for a while. And so I started with that, and it was um, like about June of 2014. And I was like, I am never going back to this clinic again. I don't care. I'm not going to do it. I just, I knew that that was wrong, and that was it. I was done with that. So I... um. I did the, I was going to do low carb and just, that was going to be, I was going to do low carb and that was going to be better. So I did slowly regain a couple of pounds while doing low carb after doing that. So I ended up with a net loss of about 22 pounds from my, my highest of 210 that I could solely say, yes, that was from the HCG, 22 pounds from the HCG. Um, then at the end of the summer of 2014, after I tried the low carb and it just wasn't working for me and I didn't feel well, that was when I switched back over. I added carbs back in and I started intermittent fasting. And I did intermittent fasting for a few months after that, just solid fast five, intermittent fasting with the five-hour eating window. I was doing fast five for a few months at that time, and I was losing about a pound a week according to my records, and those weight records that I have right there in um, Delay, Don't Deny, in the weighing chapter, those are from when I was doing Fast Five. And I lost about 15 pounds doing Fast Five at that time at the rate of about a pound a week. Um, then I ran into the Five Bite Diet people in the Fast Five Facebook group, and they're like, you can do this and lose really, really fast, and it was written by a doctor. And so, you know, I'd had that history with, with fast weight loss, or quick weight loss. Now, every time I say fast weight loss, I think of fasting now. But I had that quick weight loss experience from before. And who doesn't want to lose weight quickly, right? So I was, you know, ready to buy into all of that. And I read the book, it was written by a doctor, it made sense. So I jumped in that. And I did that for, um, now, according to this plan, this five bite diet, you're supposed to do it, it was two meals of five bites, it was a total of 10 bites a day. It was like 500 calories a day. And you're supposed to just do it nonstop until you get to your goal weight. Can I jump in really quickly? It just sounds crazy. That's all you have to say. No, it does sound crazy. Look, look. It sounds so miserable. Five bites a day. Well, it's 10 bites a day because you get two of these fabulous meals. Wait, maybe it would be good for like mindful eating practices. But beyond that, oh my goodness. No, it was it was horrible. And see, the book was written by a doctor and he was a bariatric surgeon. And so he talked about how you're eating as if you had the bariatric surgery, but you haven't actually had the surgery. And it just shows how desperate I was. But... You know, the point was you're supposed to just do it nonstop like a trooper from the day you start and then just do it no matter what until you get to your goal. And if you're not losing fast enough, eat smaller bites. And I'm not making this up. So um, anyway, 
I lasted 25 days and I lost really about 10 pounds and in those 25 days, something like that, according to my weight records. And at the end of it, I was just like, I can't do this straight through to my goal. I'm going to die. So I, I got off of it and went back to intermittent fasting again. And of course, I regained about five of those pounds right away, you know, because it was not, I was not losing fat well. So I, I, I went back to intermittent fasting. This was like in November. So I only did, like I said, 25 days of that five bite diet. And then I went back to intermittent fasting and did all sorts of different styles. I was experimenting because I knew that intermittent fasting was the way I felt the best. And so I managed to lose a few of those pounds that I had regained after stopping five bite diet over the holidays. It was over the holidays and, and I did pretty well with the intermittent fasting. Then after Christmas, pulled out the crazy five bite diet again because everybody's like, oh, it's so great. I was in all these these diet groups. And so that time I was able to stick with it for 21 days <laughs> instead of 25. But here's the thing that that really hit me at that time. I realized I did better if I saved all 10 bites for the end of the day and had it at dinner. So I was really doing one meal a day of a tiny little meal. I mean, it, it was I was restricting my calories, but I fasted during the day and then had this crazy low-calorie meal, kind of like if you're doing alternate day fasting, except I never had the feast days. I just only did those 500-calorie those fast days over and over again. So I was technically doing kind of a intermittent fasting, but I was really in danger, I think, of getting into starvation mode because of how little I was eating, and my body was just screaming at me to eat. And so I was like, forget it. I can't do this. So I, I never did it again. So I did 25 days in the fall, lost a little bit more with intermittent fasting, and then went back to 21 days. And again, once I went back to intermittent fasting, immediately after doing the five-bite diet, my weight popped back up by about five more pounds. So the weight loss wasn't the kind that would stick. If anybody's done restrictive um, calorie di low-calorie diets where it's like a crash diet, as soon as you stop, the weight pops back on, and that's what I found as well. So at that point, when I had kind of the aha about one meal a day, and I realized Dr. Burt Hearing was talking about one meal a day in his Fast Five book, that you're only eating one meal. And so at that point, it was um, late January of 2015, and that was when I switched to one meal a day. And I was having one meal a day. I was not restricting what I was eating at all. As far as like volume of food, I wasn't counting calories. I did avoid overly processed food because I was trying to figure out what food worked best for my body. So um, just with one meal a day and not restricting calories, I lost about two pounds a week at that point. So this is the irony of it. Doing those crash diet periods, you know, the HCG and then the two periods of the five bite diet, my body was not happy. My body screamed at me to stop the whole time. I was miserable. I didn't feel well. And as soon as I stopped, I had rebound weight gain. But when I switched to one meal a day, finally, in the spring of 2015, ate as much as I wanted to eat to satiety of real foods, not the overly processed foods, I started losing two pounds a week with no discomfort and no feeling like I needed to quit. And so that got me to my goal. So... You know, can I go back and say what would have happened if I had just done that from the beginning? Of course I can't. And I would like to go back, like I said, to 2014, hand myself a copy from my time traveler mobile and give myself a copy of Delay, Don't Deny and say, look, skip all that crazy part and just do one meal a day. 
I think I would have had had great results doing that. And so I actually did the math. And the whole time frame from start to finish was 44 weeks to lose 75 pounds, which was like 1.7 pounds a week to, if, you, if you average it out. But ironically, the very best rate of loss was when I switched over to one meal a day at the end. So I was losing two pounds a week at the end, getting to goal. You know, most of the time people don't lose weight more quickly at the end, do they? But I was losing two pounds a week at the end instead of, you know, all that crazy stuff. The crazy stuff really, I don't think, sped me up actually when you think about it. It actually caused me to have all sorts of problems along the way. But it's part of my story and it's part of my journey. And I want to be open and, you know, tell the truth about what I did. But I wish I hadn't. But, you know, as I've talked about in the book and also um, we see in the Facebook groups, I know some really great ladies who had a lot more, quote, willpower than me, and they just sucked it up and toughed it out. And they had so much trouble when they were when they did that for a long term. Thank goodness my body would not allow me to do it long term. I'm afraid of what would have happened if I had. So I'm really glad that I was, you know, I listened to my body and stopped because my body sent me stop doing this signals that were very, very strong. So if I could start over, I would just do one meal a day and do clean fasting from day one, the end. So I as well had done all the crazy things. So I'd done the HCG diet. I hadn't done the five bite. (laughs) That just sounds so crazy to me. I know. I'm sorry, but I'm, you know, I don't want to, I don't, (laughs) don't do it people. (laughs) But I'd done like apple an apple fast where I eat just apples. I'd done the, the cookie diet that I talked about where you eat these like special cookies throughout the day. And the crazy thing about the cookie diet is A, those cookies just made me hungry. You're supposed to measure them out and have like, you know, one every so many hours, like have one of these cookies. But I'm like a feaster. So I would eat the cookie and be like, I want to eat all the cookies now. And then I would usually just end up opening another bag. It was, it was a fail. And then they're made with so many ingredients that I won't even touch today. Um, So yeah, so I tried all those things. I first went low carb and that's when I really felt like I started a fat burning metabolism and I got my body used to burning fat. So I think that was a really great, that was an epiphany moment, an aha moment, and it really did something metabolically for my body. And so I had that phase and then I adopted intermittent fasting, which was easy for me because I was already super fat adapted from low carb, but I think that really escalated weight loss. And, um, yeah, so that was great. And then the third thing I tried and kept (laughs) was the paleo diet. So I cut out the processed foods and dairy and I was already, I didn't have grains already because I was low carb, but mostly for me, it was cutting out the processed foods and, that's when I saw a really, really huge difference in so many things like skin and headaches and just, I just felt healthier. Like before I felt like, I mean, you can eat whatever you want with intermittent fasting, but before I felt like it was really all about weight loss and everything. And then when I really started looking at food choices, that's when I really, really felt like a health, a health aspect to everything. And I could feel how certain foods affect my body and that was just really revolutionary for me. And so looking back on things, if I had to do it all again, (laughs) um, I would not have done any of all the crazy dieting at all. I would have 
I wish I could have just jumped into intermittent fasting and paleo. And I don't even like, because I do think about this sometimes and people will ask me this a lot. Like if you had to choose between paleo or intermittent fasting for health and weight loss, like which would you choose? That's a false choice. You don't have to choose. (laughs) Exactly. What I'm choosing is to eat the way I think that we're naturally supposed to eat, which is eating real whole foods and then not eating them in an easily accessible manner constantly because that's not the way we'd be eating historically. So I'm just choosing to eat the way I think that our bodies are set up to eat, which is to eat whole foods and then eat them to satiety. And then you, you know, you, you go a while without eating again because you don't need to eat and you and you condition your body to run on your body fat stores. So I think they're both super, super amazing and they go so well together and I don't, and I will not give up either one. Um, And, but to answer Jamie's question about why, like why we choose one meal a day over like the five, two diet, for example, or alternate day fasting, really easy for me to answer that five, two would not work for me because on five, two, you still eat throughout the day, but you're just, you're just limiting your calories severely. Yeah. Well, the way they're written both five two and four three. Well, there's three. You could do five two, which is two low calorie days a week. Four three is three low calorie days a week. Or alternate daily fasting, where you alternate like one then the other, then one then the other. Yeah, but they're the low calorie days, and they actually have different ways. Like you could eat like, you know, ten calories every thirty minutes. Technically, I, you know, you're not technically fasting if you do it that way, but they're considered. It just depends on how you structure it. Yeah, so that that does not work for me because I do a I do not like counting calories at all. <laughs> I like eating all I want to eat when I'm eating. Also, once I start eating, I want to keep eating. Like just eating a little bit makes me hungry. It doesn't make me like oh quell the appetite and you're good for a little bit. No, like <laughs> once I'm eating, I'm eating. So that's why one meal a day is great for me, and that's also why a longer window doesn't work for me because if I open my window earlier. I just want to like eat a ton and keep eating. Like it, it just doesn't suit my lifestyle and my personal appetite signals and everything. So, and it also kind of kills my productivity. Like once I start eating my, I feel like my energy and my productivity kind of plummet. So that's why I really like one meal a day. Some people do an alternate day fasting where they just don't eat for an entire day or that evening. And I can't do that because I can't sleep on an empty stomach. Like I need food in me to sleep. So, yes, but my my answer is yes, I would 100% choose intermittent fasting and paleo for me all again. And I wouldn't do the crazy diets because it's completely sustainable. It's a lifestyle. It's not about dieting. It's about eating, nourishing, good foods. It's healing. And then you you can lose the weight without the crazy hunger and all of that stuff. See, I think, I think that's, that's telling right there. You know, we, we tried all these crazy things you did. I did. I think that we both ended up sticking to what felt right. Like a lifestyle after trying all the others, here we are with this intermittent fasting. We're like, Oh, this is fabulous. I mean, I didn't want to do HCG forever or the five by diet or the egg fast or the cabbage soup diet. None of those felt like a lifestyle because they weren't, but intermittent fasting is, and you know, in, um, in my newest Facebook support group, which is the um, 
the Delay Don't Deny Advanced Book Support Group for people who have read Delay Don't Deny. There's one membership question that people have to answer, and it's, you know, what is something that you would only know if you read Delay Don't Deny? And so many people say that um, my diet story reminded them of themselves. All the crazy things I tried reminded them of all the crazy things they tried. And then they're like, you know, hallelujah, I've been there. Now I'm going to do this. And it feels like sanity, finally. So that's what we have for intermittent fasting. Sanity, finally. I love it. Yeah. Have, have you seen the devil, wear, the devil Wears Prada? I have, and I've read the book. I always think of that moment when Emily, is it Emily? No. I can't remember. When the, the, when the assistant girl is talking about her diet, about what she eats, and she's like, well, I don't eat anything. And then when I think I'm about to absolutely die, I eat a cube, a cube of cheese. <laughs> I always think about that quote. Yeah. Well, that's about like how the five bites diet was, for real. Do you remember she ends up in the hospital and, and so they bring the food and she's just like shoveling it down and it's like jello. Yeah, I can't remember. But see, that's what happens when you overly restrict. I mean, honestly, I was at the point where I just figured out, you know, the five bite diet was 500 calories because, you know, that's what it seemed to be. So I would like eat my little 500 calorie meal and I was like such a bad five bite dieter because, you know, you're supposed to have 10 bites a day, but I would nibble the little tiny bite you know, to make it stretch it out and make it go longer. Mindful eating. And no, not mindful. It was not mindful I eating. Just... It was the opposite of that. But, you know, it reminds me to the um, the Minnesota starvation experiments that they did way back in, I don't know, what decade was that? Early in the 1900s at some point. And that is how I felt. I felt they talked about how those men in the, the, the um, Minnesota starvation experiment would be obsessed with about food and they would take little nibbles and they would smell it and they would think about it. One time I licked a chip. Like, my husband was eating chips, and I was doing the five-bite diet, and so I took one of his tortilla chips, and I licked it, and I didn't even eat it. I mean, that's how, how obsessed and crazy it felt to be doing that. Did you ever jump on the board when they came out with the, those dessert gums that tasted like desserts? No, I don't really like sweet gum. Oh, right, you don't. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. They tasted, they had one that came out that tasted just like a cinnamon roll. Oh, my goodness, it tastes just like a cinnamon roll. I would just go through, like, five packs of that felt like I was eating cinnamon rolls. It was like Willy Wonka. If they had one that was like pizza flavored, I probably would have been all over that. But, you know, that's that's just the difference. When I tell the whole story here and when you tell your story and we think back to when we were doing those very restrictive plans and how bad they felt. And then when we finally relaxed into the intermittent fasting lifestyle and found the plan that felt like a lifestyle, that was when you were like, all right. And so I haven't looked back. You know, I haven't stopped doing this. I did experiment with alternate daily fasting in 4-3 right after the obesity code came out. This was in early 2016 because Dr. Fung so heavily recommends that pattern where you, he wants you to do like a full fast for like, say, 36 hours. And then like you're not having 500 calories, you're fasting completely. That's what he wants you to do in his version of it. So you do a complete fast. And then the next day you have a... a an, eating day, a feasting day where you eat, and that's important to protect your metabolism. So I tried it since you recommended it in the book. And I just, I don't like the way I felt doing that over time. So that, that was why it did work for me. But some people love it. If that's the, the pattern that works well for you, then that's what you should do. Somebody said in the Facebook group, tweak it till it's easy. Tweak it till it's easy. Once you find what works and feels natural, keep doing that. And it was not the five-bite diet, and it was not <laughs> um, HCG. Those were not the ones that, that were easy. 
All right. So I think we have time for one more question. Yes. And this is actually from Holly, and the subject is oral hygiene. And Holly says, Dear Jen and Dear Melanie, I love you too. I've been a listener from the get-go and look forward to every episode. I've read Delay Don't Deny a few times over and was active in Jen's Facebook group until I quit social media. And yes, I recognize who this is. I know who Holly is. Hello, Holly. Um, And she says, Anyway... I am a sugar addict and discovered that using the earth paste recommended by Melanie eliminated all sweet cravings I used to have when using chemically sweetened paste. Thanks, Melanie. Now I'm looking for a complimentary mouthwash. I love swishing after brushing and that nice, clean, fresh, tingly feeling in my mouth as I go about my morning, but I try to steer clear of chemicals and sweetened mouthwash and rinses. I have been using peppermint oil and water in a shot glass, but I'm hoping you can suggest an actual product along the lines of earth paste. I also carry the wow drops in my purse and car for quick freshening. I'm hoping you can suggest a morning spa treatment for my mouth. Thank you. Love from Austin, Texas. Hi, Holly. I know who this is as well. She's been, well, she's been, she's been emailing us at least since the beginning of the podcast, but she's from your groups too, Jen. Yep. Yep. Awesome. So I got this question and yes, (laughs) I had to get on the podcast because I have the answer. Um, So there's this brand and it's called Uncle Harry's and you can get it on Amazon and it's just, they have a ton of products and they're all amazing. They have a toothpaste as well, but they have, um, so they have a miracle mouthwash. And so this is what's in it. Here it comes. Colloidal silver water, sea salt, magnetic earth, what is magnetic earth? I don't know, but it sounds it. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds really impressive. It does. Whatever it is. Um, oh, here's some more impressive sounding things: purified ocean water, active ionic minerals, and then it has essential oils of peppermint, eucalyptus, clove, wintergreen, wintergreen, and oregano. But notice, there's no sweeteners in there. This stuff is potent. Like you put it in your mouth, and you feel like it's like kind of like the wow drops. You're just like. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it really, really sticks with you all day. And it's alkalinizing in your mouth and antimicrobial. So I just cannot recommend it enough. And there's absolutely no sweet taste. So you can definitely check that out. And then in addition to, to the earth paste, which I love earth paste, it's a, um, they make some toothpaste that are basically, I don't have the ingredients in front of me right now, but it's basically like bentonite clay and some oils and they have an unsweetened spearmint version and that one's my absolute favorite um but this uncle harry's he also has a toothpaste and so like his toothpaste is bentonite clay calcium carbonate purified deionized microfiltered water and 10 parts per million of silver mineral which is interesting, uh, sea salt, ionic minerals, mustard seed, and then essential oils of peppermint, eucalyptus, clove, wintergreen, and oregano. So again, um, no sweeteners in there, but super potent, super effective. And then he has other things too as well, and I've tried them. Like, um, I won't go into all the ingredients because you can look it up. I'll put links to it in the show notes, but he has like a, a, tooth, a tooth suds, which I did try, but it was like, it's like suds. It feels like you're like using soap in your mouth that sounds weird i kind of want to reorder it because it's kind of an interesting experience he also has like remineralizing salts which is like alkalizing ionic minerals and oils that can really help remineralize your teeth and something i'd heard before about your teeth the teeth it needs direct contact with minerals so like things in your body normally 
like you eat food and then it goes through your your bloodstream and that's how the nutrients reach the organs and reach all the things. But your teeth, they need direct contact with the stuff. So that's why it's really important that you use toothpaste like this that can really help support the health of your teeth. Um, so if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 74 and also ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, I will put links to all of these things I just talked about. Again, it's Uncle Harry's and I'll also put a link. I also use as well the, um, the earth paste toothpaste. And I also really like Primal Life Organics. They have um, some tooth powders, which are really, really effective that I like as well. So definitely check out those. Um, Jen, do you have any recommendations? No. Okay, I figured. <laughs> Look, I don't like mouthwash. I never have. I don't like it. I don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes I'll do oil pulling with coconut oil just because I like the way it makes my teeth feel really clean after I use it. So that's the only thing I'm swishing is the oil pulling with, with the um, the coconut oil every now and then, but not all the time. But yeah, I just brush and go on. So to recap, I have podcast.com slash episode 74. Awesome. I knew you would have that one covered. Like I was like, yeah, she's going to have a bunch of stuff for this and I got nothing. I know. That's the way I feel sometimes <laughs> with the questions. I'll be like, this is a gen question. I'm just like, right, right, right. <laughs> So again, you can go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 74 for show notes, references, and links to all of the, the things that we talked about. You can also go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like for all of the stuff that we like. You can, if you're on iTunes, you can subscribe to our podcast and you will get the episodes downloaded each and every week. You won't even have to do anything. Um, you can also help support our podcast and make it possible by going to patreon.com slash ifpodcast. That would be absolutely amazing. You can basically donate like a quarter and um, every quarter helps. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. All right. Do you have any final thoughts for today, Jen? Zero final thoughts. I'm all thought it out. <laughs> I do have one final thought. Okay, good. I can't wait to hear it. You know, Amazon Prime Day, speaking of Amazon, since we started talking about Amazon, we can end with Amazon. We'll finish, yep. When is Amazon Prime Day? Have we already had it? We are, yeah, it was. I thought it so. It was sort of recently, I think. Over the summer, maybe. Yeah. One of the things they did on Prime Day was they marked down like tons of their magazine subscriptions to like 99 cents for the year. Wow. It was so bad. So I bought, it was so stupid because I, so I got like five magazine subscriptions for like, cause it was like 99 cents. I was like, Oh, Vanity Fair, awesome. women's yeah. health, like people, like I got so many magazine subscriptions. Janet is stressing me out so bad because I get five magazines now each month and I'm like, must read all the magazine. Like I don't need to read the magazines, you know, right. but I feel like I have to. Oh, that's funny. Cause you've got them. Yeah. Yeah, they're there, so they need to be read. So it's like a task I have to do that I don't even want to. It is creating right. so much stress in my life. I see the magazines, and I'm like, die. <laughs> Why did I do <laughs> So listeners, on Prime Day, choose one magazine subscription, maybe. Yeah. Not multiple. I don't like to read magazines. Isn't that weird? I, I do. Yeah, I don't. Now, I, I did used to love Reader's Digest when I was a kid. I loved it. Like, I was, like... 
11 years old and like reading Reader's Digest from cover to cover. <laughs> Maybe that explains a lot about me. I don't really know. I was reading highlights. I was reading Reader's Digest cover to cover. I do remember highlights, yeah. But I never was into highlights. But anyways, so listeners, do not subscribe to Five Magazines. You will regret it. Unless you own like a salon and you need the yeah, okay. magazines. That would be the thing. That would if work. If so, Prime Day is your day. Yeah. That's a bargain. I actually had an app on my iPad years ago where you got to like, I can't remember what it was called, but it was an app where you got all the magazines on your iPad. And I, I, it was like $10 a month. And I guess I really just like gadgets, but it was like magazines on your iPad unlimited. Oh, wow. It's like net, Netflix of magazines. And I actually did that for a while and I would look at them. And you know what I really liked was like popular mechanics. I was reading, I read weird stuff. <laughs> Popular mechanics. I like to read the car magazines. I see. I'm a weirdo. And like this old house. I like that one. This old house. I don't like this old house. Oh, that's my favorite magazine. And I like Consumer Reports. Oh, I love Consumer Reports. But this old house. Oh, do you, you see this old house? A TV show on PBS where they remodel old houses. And I love. Oh, in an see, old I would house. like that. Yeah, this old house is great. Well, I kind of wish the, the one magazine I didn't buy was the, there was like some southern. Like, it was probably Southern Comfort or some Southern magazine. I wish I had bought that because then I could look at happy pictures of the South. Instead, I bought all these, like, celebrity. Yeah, see, I don't know any celebrities. And I'm already in L.A. Why why do I need pictures of more celebrities? I don't. No. (laughs) Just go to Whole Foods and see them there. Do you really? Do you really see celebrities just out in the wild like Um, that? Depends on where you live. When I was in Venice temporarily, yeah, there was a lot. And then L.A., there's a lot. When I was living in, like, West Hollywood, Hollywood, for, like, four years, yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't have that problem. Except if you're in Augusta during Masters Week, then there's celebrities, like, all around you. But other than that, nope. (laughs) All the people. All righty. Well, this has been wonderful. I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.